Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. again, my friends, and welcome to the Science of Magic, a program combining the science and magic of today's leading topics to co-create new solutions and promote evolutionary thinking. I'm your host, Golda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring Listen to the Children. Our children are trying to tell us something. The numbers of those with behavioral, developmental, and learning problems have been on the rise for quite some time. Instances of children with ADD and ADHD and autism are higher than ever before and increasing. An alarming number of young people are treated with Ritalin, a central nervous system stimulant that affects chemicals in the brain and nerves. Numerous warnings and contraindications are associated with Ritalin. For example, using Ritalin improperly can cause death or serious side effects on the heart. It should not be taken by anyone with a family or personal history of drug or alcohol addiction. It should not be used by individuals with anxiety, tension, or agitation, as Ritalin can make these symptoms worse. 
Show me a child with ADD or ADHD trying to cope with the system, and I'll show you anxiety, tension, and agitation. What are we doing? It would appear we're failing our children, and when a society is failing its children, it's a dangerous sign indeed. Why are we seeing this alarming rise in these disorders? What's the underlying cause of the situation? Are dangerous medications the only solution? Are there alternative treatments that can augment allopathic approach? With us this hour to explore this worrisome dilemma is Dr. Robert Ullman, a licensed naturopathic physician of 34 years, board certified in homeopathy. He's the co-author of numerous books on homeopathy, including Homeopathic Self-Care, The Quick and Easy Guide for the Whole Family, Homeopathic Medicine for Depression, Anxiety, and Bipolar Disorder, Ritalin-Free Kids, Range-Free Kids, A Drug-Free Approach to Asperger Syndrome and Autism, and The Patient's Guide to Homeopathic Medicine. In addition to his homeopathic general practice, he specializes in treating children with behavioral, developmental, and learning problems. He practices at the Northwest Center for Homeopathic Medicine in Edmonds, Washington, and long distance via Skype. His website, healthyhomeopathy.com. Dr. Ullman, thank you so much for joining us on The Science of Magic. Thank you, Gwilda. What drew you to homeopathy? I mean, there's a lot of different uh, practices. What, what drew you to homeopathy in particular? Well, it was an experience of where I went to see another uh, natural doctor uh, when I was just considering becoming a naturopath at the time. And it happened on that day that he was having a homeopath from India uh, come and treat some of his patients. And so I was able to go uh, around with this physician who was carrying a big book, which is called The Repertory, because it was before computers. Uh, (laughs) And and I was fascinated that he would interview the patients, and then he would um, prescribe uh, a very small amount of what looked like sugar pills to um, treat the condition. And so I thought, well, this is interesting and different. And so I uh, got interested in reading about it and and studying, and the rest is history. (laughs) (laughs) What exactly is homeopathic medicine? So homeopathic medicine uh, is natural, it's non-toxic, it's safe, largely free of side effects, it was developed by a German physician, Samuel Hahnemann, in the first part of the 19th century. And it was effective then, and it, right in the 21st century, it's still effective, and it remains one of the best-known and practiced forms of alternative medicine in the world. Wow, it's been practiced in more than 30 countries, serves millions of people throughout the world, most notably in the U.S., the U.K., Europe, India, Mexico, Brazil, and Argentina. Wow. Well, we'll pick up with this subject about what it is and how it works on the other side of a a commercial break here. Robert and I will return shortly, so don't go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic. Our current episodes are aired daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. In service to our listeners, prior innovative episodes can always be accessed free of charge on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. The Science of Magic is proudly produced by Relmar McConnell Media Company. Hamilton, Ontario, Canada.
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs, 
songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an eight-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back. This is a Science of Magic dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is author Dr. Robert Ullman, a licensed naturopathic physician that specializes in treating children with behavioral, developmental, and learning problems. His website, healthyhomeopathy.com. Dr. Ullman, what is the difference between uh, homeopathic and allopathic medicine? Well, it's certainly different in philosophy. Um, the homeopathic medicine works on the principle of like cures like, which means that a substance in nature that can cause symptoms in a healthy person, if given too much of that substance, it can cure those same symptoms in a person who is ill or out of balance, but only when used in a very uh, tiny, highly potentized dose of that particular substance. So what we do is we analyze the symptoms of the patient by interview. They tell us what's wrong, how they feel, uh, where in, in what parts of the body they're having problems, and we compare those symptoms that they give us to the characteristic symptoms of similar homeopathic medicines so that it's possible to find the best match which should improve whatever symptoms the medicine matches in the patient. And if for some reason that match isn't exact, then we retake the case until we find a better symptom match, and we give that to the patient to produce better and long-lasting results. So there can be a bit of trial and error, but in many cases it's um, easy and for an experienced practitioner to find the medicine for the patient, and so we then can go on and just work on how to administer it best, how often, in what dosage, to produce the result we're looking for. Well, in 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 uh, allopathic medicine, we were talking about Ritalin, and uh, what's always confused me is it's a stimulant, and yet it's used to treat overly stimulated children. That would be a like cures like, but it seems I think different. It is. It's actually, uh, I think, the reason that uh, Ritalin has been effective in some ways is that it is a like-cures-like principle, that you're using a stimulant to to treat overstimulated children. Go ahead. And so, you know, that, that principle holds true, whether it's, you know, labeled homeopathic medicine or allopathic medicine, which is usually using the opposite to treat. Rather right. than this. But in this case, it actually uh, works out that it's a crude form of homeopathic medicine. So some children that are treated with Ritalin, they have good effect. It, it calms them down. And others, it just makes them worse. Why, why is that? 
So the ones it makes worse don't match them. It's only the ones who match the symptoms where that, that Ritalin, if you gave Ritalin to a healthy person, it will hype them up. It will make them uh, over, uh, over-energized. It will make their mind like laser-focused. But if, uh, so in, in a person who needs that, it's useful. But in a person who doesn't need that, it doesn't match for them, they'll just feel agitated. They'll feel overhyped. They'll feel overamped, and they won't like it. So it's, it sounds like a shot in the dark. Mm, it, it, you know, it's enough. Uh, it, the symptoms of ADHD match the um, profile of stimulants enough that it works for many children. It's not that uh, that stimulant medication doesn't work. It's just that it comes with associated side effects. And that is the reason that you don't necessarily want to give it if there's a, a more gentle and less toxic form of medicine, which we call homeopathy. So also in uh, um, allopathic medicine, they use immunizations, which is giving you a small dose of the very disease you're trying to avoid. Would that be considered like curing like? It's, it's not, I mean, homeopaths uh, don't really use that principle very much. They would rather find the medicine that treats the symptoms that the patient is presenting is presenting, if that's the case, but um, it, it is a principle, really, of vaccination that stimulates the body to recognize what it needs to heal. So in a sense, you could say vaccination is, a, is another crude form of homeopathy. So what's the, what's the science behind the homeopathic approach? Okay. So the science is that we're looking for a single substance in nature, that if you gave that substance to a healthy person over and over and over again, not the homeopathic remedy we're not talking about, but just the substance, say, um, let's take salt, for example. You know, if you give a small amount of salt, it can be good for the body. If you give an excessive amount of salt, then the person will develop symptoms. And, and that... Um, would be a form of, of creating a disease, you know, by giving way too much of that particular substance. So the symptoms that emerge from that um, experiment, if you will, can be used by a homeopath to find those people who in their pathological state, the illness state, uh, are have developed symptoms that are very much like what you would call salt poisoning. So in that case, you can use that as a guide. So if people have those symptoms, they will get the remedy, natrum muriaticum, which is simply the Latin name for salt. Oh, okay. Right. And, but they'll get it in a very tiny, highly refined dose that's been diluted and shaken a number of times to give a certain potency 
and then if you give that potency of the remedy, it will reverse the symptoms that they have that are similar to taking too much salt. And an example, one of the main, the natrum muriaticum or salt is one of the kind of foundation remedies in homeopathy. It's used very often. It's uh, a well-known picture. And one of the things that people uh, who characteristically need natrum muriaticum is often headaches. They get very bad headaches, often migraine headaches. So um, has, has the effectiveness of homeopathy been proven? It's been proven um, in some studies, I would say, but it's been proven more often in the results of, of single-subject designed cases, where in homeopathy, it doesn't work as well to test the medicine on a whole group of patients because it's specific to a particular symptom pattern. Oh, I get it. I get it. So in other words, um, if you get a whole bunch of people and test it, someone will work and someone won't because it's so custom designed to restore balance to a person with particular symptoms. Exactly. Ah, exactly. that makes sense. So, so, it's, so homeopathy is uh, amenable to research in, in terms of single subject design. In other right, words, and if you have, take a homeopath and ask them to treat 100 patients, you know, using individualization with respect to the symptoms of the patient, then you could measure a success level of homeopathic treatment. But if you give, say, a uh, hundred people with headaches, they'll all have headaches in a different way. Right. So basically... Some will have headaches the... on the left side, some will on the right side, some will have them at three in the morning, some will have them <laughs> yeah. at two in the afternoon. So... So basically what you're saying is that the, the type of studies that are used in allopathic medicine don't apply very well to homeopathic. Generally speaking, so. Right. Occasionally, well, if, you have a, if you're testing a substance that would affect a large number of people in exactly the same way, you'll get more what would be similar to testing an allopathic drug. Got it. Is there... Is, is there any danger in uh, homeopathic treatments? Uh, we know that there's side effects and all that with your allopathic drugs. Very few. Very, very little. And, I mean, if someone was given the wrong remedy over and over and over again, even though it's not working, uh, it's possible that they could develop symptoms that if you then stop the remedy, they would go away. So, okay, that, that makes sense. But that, that, that speaks against self-treating, doesn't it? Um, I mean, you could be giving yourself the wrong thing and creating a problem. It's possible, but at least if you stopped it, the problem would rapidly go away. In other words, if, you're, if in taking a homeopathic medicine you would find that your symptoms are getting worse, the best thing to do is to stop the medicine and let those symptoms calm down. Now, you might find if the, med if the homeopathic medicine matched the symptoms and it was just a, a thing of having given too many doses to the patient, then usually as they um, are back to just taking a small amount of the medicine, then they'll have the opportunity to improve and they'll yep. feel a lot better if they match, if, if their symptoms match that particular homeopathic medicine. And that's the Dr. essential thing in homeopathy. In order to have a successful homeopathic 
treatment, you have to match the symptoms of the patient with the symptoms that are characteristically present for that particular remedy. Is there a time when it... If they match well, then the patient will improve and get better. Is there a time when a person's condition is too far advanced for, for homeopathy to be effective? There are times um, when homeopathic medicine may not be the best treatment. For instance, if someone needs surgery, then you know they they won't get better. Perhaps if they in that condition, if they don't get surgery, you know, if they're having something that, um, or for instance, someone is in an auto accident. Well, certainly you could give Arnica, which is a a wonderful homeopathic remedy for trauma, and it could reduce the trauma a great deal, but it won't set a broken bone. Right, exactly. You know, it fascinates me how um, we wait for alternative medicine until we're desperate, when actually we need to make the minor corrections with, with the more refined and then go to the allopathic when it gets more serious. Is that what you're talking about? Well... It depends. You can treat serious things with homeopathy. That's not the issue. The issue is that the, you have to be able to make a match between the homeopathic medicine and the symptoms of the patient. And if you make that match well, this, the patient will get better. But there are certain things that the body itself may not be able to, to self-correct, even when given the proper stimulus, because that the situation has gone too far. And that's when you need more more uh, aggressive intervention. Patients say were to stabilize your vital functions, you know, right. and, and allow uh, the body ti- not it's to time get f- overwhelmed too it's much. It's time for an, it's time for another short pause. Doctor Ullman okay. and I will return to our discussion on the other side of this break, so don't go away. We're coming to you through the Exxon Broadcast Network. You don't want to miss the other fine shows and hosts on XZBN.net. You're listening to the Science of Magic. Your resource for creative solutions in a changing world, thescienceofmagic.net. are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influenced her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, StarwalkerVisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. 
For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our, hour, our guest this hour is Dr. Robert Ullman, a licensed naturopathic physician that specializes in treating children with behavioral, developmental, and learning problems. His website, healthyhomeopathy.com. Um, there was an interesting thing that we talked about uh, or didn't talk about in depth. Um, and that's that homeopathy, as I understand it, can be practiced long distance. Is that accurate? It is. It is true. Uh, I treat many patients uh, via Skype. Now, that's uh, particularly because I'm on the, uh, you might say, the end of things that's mostly uh, psychiatric or psychological with many of the patients I treat, although as long as... Uh, if a patient's at a distance and I feel like they need an exam, I will usually have their uh, primary care practitioner perform that exam and send me the results or the laboratory studies, you know, that are necessary. 
And oh, nice. That, that answers another question is, do you interfa- interface with allopathic pra- practitioners? Apparently you do. I can, sure. Nice. Um, and it's, um, but at least, you know, that screening is very useful. It means that uh, most of that is taken care of, and I can focus on the symptoms of the patient and how I can match them with a homeopathic remedy so they'll get better. So do you look at symptoms um, in depth in the sense of symptoms that you might be seeing in lab results? Sure, but that won't help you prescribe. It can help you understand the depth of the illness. Mm -hmm. It can help understand how the body's out of balance. But really in homeopathy, homeopathy was practiced effectively long before there were laboratory tests. Right, right. Long before there were the kind of uh, ability to see into the body that we can do now. Right. And so the ability to see into the body like that can uh, point up symptoms and problems that aren't developing, that haven't developed symptoms yet. And I think on the diagnostic end of allopathic medicine, that's a great treasure to have that ability. Yes, it it absolutely is. It absolutely is. Because if we can't work together... the physiological processes that are going on. Yes, if we can't work together... Result in symptoms if they're out of balance. If we can't work together in these two modalities, we really are failing our people, aren't we? I think it's important that we are able to work together. Yeah. Is, Is homeopathy, how is it effective with children? Oh, it's very effective with children. Uh, One of the reasons for that is that children, in a sense, are simpler than adults. (laughs) Do you mean mean that they're um, simpler in that they've been on the earth less time and are less complicated in their damage and their illness? Exactly. Yeah. And also, uh, they're they're in, in tune with how they feel, and they'll express it easily. They don't hide it. Uh... And they'll tell you what they can about it. Uh, and so that's, that's very important, you know, both for adult patients or children's patients, that they actually express what's going on. And well, how about, about, how, about, about how about when you have very young preverbal children or animals? And I understand homeopathy is very effective with animals as well. What do you do then? Exactly. So you have to observe in that sense. You have to observe the behavior that you can't see, like with an autistic child who's nonverbal, mm-hmm. you have to look at you have to look at what's happening, and this is why video or in person are very important in those ways. Or at the very least, if you can't do that, you have to have somebody who's with them a lot of the time and can describe what they do or say or don't say. So, like time. a parent or a, or a pet, a uh, parent, pet a guardian, uh, mm-hmm. a teacher, someone who has enough contact with the child to see them in different states, to see them at different times of the day. And so, so you have the teachers on the one end who are able to, to observe and test and do various things for, for the child to find out information about them. And then you have the parents who have to live with them. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, what, I understand you, you specialize in children. With behavioral developmental, yeah. yeah. Uh, what drew you, what drew you to doing that? It it happened. Um, well, it happened partly because uh, I work in partnership with my wife, 
and she decided she wanted to focus more on women's health, and and we were, we were already seeing a lot of children, and so she said, would you take take on the children? And so I said, okay, I'll do that, <laughs> and uh, it's been very enjoyable work. I really they they are lovely to work with, aren't they? They're just so honest. Yeah, how does how does homeopathy work with the developmental and uh, behavioral and learning problems? Well, it works fine if you can find the remedy, and so I mean that's true of homeopathy in general. So um, the challenge with a nonverbal child is that you have to see what they do, uh, or have at least a good informant who sees what they do at various times of the day and what and how they respond to different stimuli, how they respond to um, all, the, all the things around them that they contact, and, and how does that change their behavior, or how does it change what apparently they're feeling. And right. So, you know, with verbal kids, they can tell you this is great. With nonverbal kids, you have to observe it, or, or their caregivers have to observe it and tell you what it is that they do and say. Or don't say that. You know, they have these. They have these um, um, little kits at health food stores. Um, uh, uh, homeopathy for children, you know, the one for a fever, next vomita. Uh, they're, they're wonderful little first aid kits. I used them on, on my children. It was amazing, you know, the results I would see. And I would treat with that first. And then if, if the, the symptoms persisted, of course, immediately get to my doctor. Um, how effective are those? And is it okay to, to do that? I mean, what, um, is it, uh, are they um, safe? and effective, or do you recommend against that? Okay, so it depends. Um, the, uh, the best treatment is to find the single remedy that matches the symptoms of the person or the symptoms of the, the sick child in this case. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can find that, the likelihood of getting a good result is improved. Now, the reason for combina- what we call combination remedies Mm-hmm. that you might see uh, like Highland's teething tablets, for example, or or Baran uh, may have a, a thing for respiratory problems called Chestol, you know, and they will have a, a combination of, say, 10 remedies that have been known in the homeopathic literature to help problems of that type. And so it's like a shotgun. So this is a shotgun approach. Gotcha. Right? Now, mm-hmm. luckily... Uh, it often works if the remedies in the formula actually do bear a relationship to that kind of illness. And so, you know, a, a good homeopathic company will be formulating with that in mind, you know, from with people who understand homeopathy, who understand the effects of the various remedies, and which ones together would work the best. So as a shotgun approach, uh, it can work. I prefer finding the single remedy that actually matches the symptoms of the patient. And that's going to take a practitioner that knows exactly what they're doing, yes? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Now, the other, the other thing, though, it, is we it, wrote it, it, occurs to, it, occurs to me, it occurs to me that all practitioners aren't created equal. How can a person uh, find one that's, that's reliable and well-trained? Well, it will depend on where and how they were trained. And it will depend on the number of years they've been in practice. Um, 
you know, uh, people who've been in practice longer, they just know more. Yeah, you just get more experience. You've seen it before. What? What? <laughs> so what they've kind seen of... more patients. They've seen this hundred times, and you know, this is easy. So, what, what kind of um, certification training do you look for in a in a uh, when you're looking for a doctor? Well, in in homeopathy, it depends what country you're in, really, and what training has been available to the people in that country. Um, so, in Western Europe, and in uh, India. And in parts of the United States, there are experienced homeopathic practitioners, you know, who can take a homeopathic case, uh, know what the range of remedies is they're working with, and how to select the best remedy. Use the uh, computerized tools that we've uh, that have been developed over the last 20 years or so. But are there and, are there state boards or certifications or what what kind of um, credentials um, do you end up with in these countries? Well, in in my state of Washington and also in Oregon and Arizona and several other states, I think maybe fifteen states now, there are uh, licensing boards. You know, Great. in which yeah. you, you have to take exams, you have to demonstrate your competence, and it depends on what you're practicing as. So, in homeopathy, people may be Naturopaths like uh, Judith and I, they may uh, be lay practitioners where they've done a lot of study or taken courses, but they don't have any kind of medical degree. There are people um, who, um, well, usually in many states you have to have some kind of degree, either chiropractic or naturopathic or right. medical. So it varies state, it vary, it vary state to state. It varies there, much from but, state to state. Yeah, but there is credentials. That's good to know because, you know, we do need regulation. Um, I mean, I'm a shamanic practitioner, yeah. right? There's no regulation. You can take, you know, I've studied for 40 years, or you can take a weekend course and hang out your shingle, you know? And so people that, really need some guidelines. That where, doesn't you know, work too well in homeopathy to take a weekend not. course and hang out your shingle. That's good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> so... Why are we seeing so this increase in ADD and ADHD and autism? Why do you think we're seeing so much more of it right now? Well, um, I th I think, and you know, at the risk of creating tremendous controversy, that in autism, um, it's not the whole story, but there seems to be some connection with vaccine damage and the development of autism if it develops suddenly, and especially after receiving vaccines. Now, that's not the current medical, uh, conventional medical approach or belief that that ever happened. And, uh, but I've seen so many cases where after certain vaccines or combinations of vaccines in very young children that there's a sudden change from normal to autistic, and that's happening somehow. What do you think is causing that? Uh, what part of the vaccination? The carrier or being exposed to the uh, disease in the vaccine? What, what could be causing that? You know, I don't think that it's actually known what causes it. In, uh, for instance, in the MMR vaccine, it looks like that the child has uh, kind of encephalitis that happens and develops within 12 to 48 hours.
Well, it's time um, for us. It's time for us to take another break. We'll pick up with this controversial subject on the other side of this commercial break. Robert and I will be back, so don't leave us now. This is the Science of Magic, your resource to altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric, working to create common ground for the betterment of our world. Join our email family to receive our amazing topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. Are you curious? Do you want to learn more about how the world works and have fun at the same time? Study coincidences with me, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, on my Connecting with Coincidence radio show here on the XZBN network. Listen to Jungians theorize, statisticians randomize, true believers evangelize, while I categorize. I dance to the rhythm of coincidences. People who experience me see more of them. Maybe something on the show matches a thought in your mind. Let us know. Expand your mind to the weirdness happening around you. Synchronicity spoken here, there, and everywhere. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence in your search engine and find my website, my social media sites, and my blog. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. 
A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gilda Wiecka. What's up in your world? Email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net and suggest a guest or topic that's on your mind. You're probably not the only one that would enjoy hearing about it. Our guest this hour is author Dr. Robert Ullman. His website, healthyhomeopathy.com. Um, Dr. Oman, we were just getting into how we're seeing an increase in various problems with our children, and you mentioned um, that there's some some talk about immunization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you go to an autism uh, conference, you will find plenty of angry mothers who wow. whose children suddenly changed. Now, it's not absolutely clear you know, what's producing those changes, but it has happened enough that it's of epidemic proportion and rising. And this is very concerning. And so I'm hopeful, you know, and the medical community says, it's not our problem, we didn't do it. (laughs) Well, maybe. So uh, I don't think that it's, well, but how, how about how about other other factors? You know, are there environmental or dietary well, there, factors see, there involved? There are, are cases of autism that weren't vaccine related, so it's not across the board. You know that it's vaccines, and uh, and I think that we're going to find though, you know, with more investigation, that there's a link between. Uh, between the proliferation of many more vaccines and the combinations of vaccines and certain vaccines that um, are at least anecdotally related to sudden onset of autism. But we don't have any proof of it yet, so we're kind of stuck, right? Um, Well, we don't have any proof of it because basically the... It's considered uh, a medical heresy to even consider such a thing. Why would that be? 
because there's big money involved in this. You know, there's a lot of really great allopathic doctors out there that would in no way endanger infants with immunizations if they thought there was a problem. I, yeah, I, w- I would say that that's very true. And you know, since since the 1940s, they're, you know, they've been given vaccines, and it's just recently that we're seeing this increase. But, uh, how- but you, what you've seen in this, and I'm no expert on vaccination, so I just want to make that clear. Okay. But uh-huh. I can say that um, the rate of autism is increasing exponentially. Right, and our food is going downhill exponentially, too. We've got GMOs, we've got chemicals, we've got neonicotinoids. You know, uh, how much is this playing in it? I think there's certainly scope for that, those things as well to be, to be a problem in the developing of autism. It's, um, so, you know, it's not, it's not fully elucidated. What are all the factors in the epidemic of autism? You know, why should why should that be happening? And how, did, how does how does homeopathy help? Well, we've got it. Oh, Here well, it is. So on the other end, you know, <laughs> yeah, on okay, the other end, what do we do? With an it? autistic child, what do we do? You know, yeah. as a homeopathic uh, practitioner, and what we do is to interview the parents. Uh, to interview the child to the extent that it's possible if they're verbal. Uh, sometimes they're not verbal anymore. And, um, and to put that together as a picture of symptoms that can be compared with the homeopathic literature, and you can find a homeopathic remedy that matches the symptom set that that particular child has. And every child will have a slightly different symptom set, but there are there are uh, large things that uh, similar symptoms in autism. You know that you can can see where the the child may have diminished mental capacity. They may have difficulty with speech. They have difficulty with learning. Uh, they have so, emotional so outbursts. Basically, basically, basically you're basically you're saying that it doesn't matter what caused it. As long as you can track the symptoms well enough to get the right remedy, you can correct it? You can certainly impact it. And in some cases, you can reverse it. But it's, uh, it's, not, always, it's not like um, you apply the remedy and the next day they're better. You know, you have to, you have to work, you know, the, the remedy, find the remedy that matches the symptoms and that produces change. And when you find that combination, then you have that, that medicine and you can apply it over time. And as you do that, you will usually see improvements in behavior and learning. So say, and, say I'm a mother of an autistic child, and I come to you and I say, hey, he was fine. And all of a sudden, within several weeks, he started going downhill. And now this is what I've got. What can I right. expect from you? What can I expect you to do for me and my child? Okay. So what I will do is I'll spend an hour and a half talking to the parent and interviewing the child as much as possible and get as complete a picture of the actual symptoms as they are in the moment and how they were before and what's the difference. And then I will find a substance in nature that if you gave too much of it, it would produce the same kind of symptom picture. And then I'd apply that 
to the patient, give it to the patient in various forms of dosing, depending on uh, what's needed. But I might give a single dose of a homeopathic remedy, or I might give a daily liquid dose of the homeopathic what, remedy. What kind of, as a mother, as a mother, what kind of results could I expect? What would I see? Well, we would hope that some of the intense behavioral problems, uh, like screaming, for example, or uh, walking only on your toes, or um, or just uh, being extraordinarily sensitive to factors in the environment, that those would diminish, that they would, that um, the ability to learn and function would improve gradually over time in ways that it wasn't improving already. So You know, uh, another thing um, about working with homeopathy and seeing changes happen do you need to work with the entire family? In other words, there's environmental, as we spoke, and psychological um, effects as well. So do you actually treat the whole family sometimes, looking into what's, what's causing the dysfunction on a, on a familiar basis? Um, if possible. You know, it, there, are, there are limits, you know, to how much families can afford necessarily you know, to have everybody in the family treated. So I try to to suggest that the people who are most impacted get treated, which can be the caregivers or the parents. You know, <laughs> they very impacted as well, and, and they're probably in some ways easier to treat. But the, uh, the children with behavior and learning problems, you know, the, at least they're just who they are. In other words, you can see you know, what they, what they do and how much they can say and, and what are the things that are most unusual. They're not hiding anything usually. Well, what, what I'm talking about is like I've seen cases where the child is appearing to be hyperactive and squirmy and fidgety and all those ADHD right. things you say, see, but they're only like that with one parent and not with the other. Um, they're well, diagnosed yeah. with ADD, ADHD, but the Ritalin doesn't do them any good. It makes things worse. So uh-huh. now what are we looking at? We're not looking at a problem with the child, really, are we? No. So in that case, well, you could be looking at a problem with the child, but you also may be looking at a problem with the parent. <laughs> and so, but getting the parent to realize that, you have to, you know, be... Um, Diplomatic at very least, huh? Diplomatic would be a good way to put it, yeah. Like, you can suggest, well, you know, we've done a really good job with Johnny. You know, I I was noticing that maybe there could be something in your life or your health that you'd like to work on. (laughs) And uh, How often often uh, do you really believe that the problem is originating with the child? um, It's a system. You know, it's not just... An isolated, the child is not isolated. Exactly. But at least you can, uh, you can, the child is more of an open book. You know, in other words, you can, what they do and say is who they are. And you can, you can match that to a homeopathic remedy and stimulate it and, and do well. With parents, you can do that also. It can be a little more complicated. They've been on the earth longer and they've, experience Excellent. a lot more 
We're, we're, run, we're running out of time. I want you to share what's the most important thing we can do to help our children at this time. I think it's primarily to understand them, to understand what they're going through, and to find the treatment, whether from nature or from conventional medicine, to give them a chance to manifest their full potential. Mm, beautifully stated. We're, time has gone fast and we're out of it. Thank you so much for being on the show and Thank for your you. wonderful service to the children. <laughs> Our guest this hour has been author Dr. Robert Ullman, a licensed naturopathic physician that specializes in treating children with behavioral, developmental, and learning problems. His website, healthyhomeopathy.com. This has been The Science of Magic. Join our email family to be the first to receive our thought-provoking, topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as we listen to our children.